All right, let's jump into some NBA with Ira Winneman, who joins us now. Ira, welcome. How are you? I am doing better than the overall quality of most of these NBA playoff games. Yeah, it's, honest, it's been tough waiting for these two things. But there's a couple of things. I'll tell you, the fourth, the second half, Washington's 24-zip run yes. in front of that crowd with John Wall putting on a show was just unbelievable. That was one of the loudest crowds I've heard in the NBA in a long time. And John Wall, this has really been his playoffs. He has elevated his game to where he is now a legitimate NBA superstar. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, you look at that 26-0 run and what they were able to put together and the explosiveness of Wall. And you know what the consensus is after that, Mike? that he's the second-best player in the Eastern Conference. Yep. And, and, and that's this whole thing that's being played out. I mean, everyone in New York knows what the torment was like when Jordan was with the Bulls, and no matter what Pat Riley and those Knicks teams did, and Jeff Van Gundy, it just doesn't matter. It's the same thing in the East. I mean, John Wall, you know, if LeBron wasn't here, would be the guy. And even, I think, more than Isaiah Thomas, because he's a defensive player also with his deflections, far more complete player than Isaiah Thomas. But... LeBron's in the way, and the Cavs are in the way, and you still look at this. Look, it's been a competitive series in terms of games, at two all between the two teams, but still the games themselves have not been very competitive, and yet you're just saying to yourself, it's almost like you're leading someone to slaughter. I think John Wall can have his moments against the Cavaliers. I think he can outplay Kyrie Irving. I think he has outplayed Kyrie Irving, who's struggling with his shooting. But the overall teams, you're still saying to yourself, so the Wizards get one game, so they get two games. There's just different levels. There's I a totally different agree. level, yeah. yeah. I totally agree. And not only that, I think really LeBron wanted to go through these playoffs in as much economical fashion as he could to get as much rest as he possibly could. And you can see with the other teams, it, look, it, it's, it's an old maxim. You, you play as few games as possible to avoid as many injuries as possible. So you don't wind up with Tony Parker and Nene and George Hill. And the more games you play, all these other teams are dealing with issues. Avery Bradley right now with the Celtics. LeBron over the years knows you finish off a team where you have to. And, Mike, what I found fascinating is the Warriors have learned that as well. Game four against Portland. Game four last night against Utah. The Warriors are getting it. That if you want to be one of these legacy teams and be in the finals every year and play over 100 games or 100 games every year, you get rid of these little gnats along the way and you get ready for greater challenges. Although I do think the Western Conference Finals will provide far more competition than the Eastern Conference Finals. Talking with Ira about about the NBA, uh, one more thing on that is, it's going to be interesting. It, it, you know, Isaiah Thomas going to the old-fashioned, let me set up the officials for the next game, uh, yeah. you know, like, like we used to see vintage in the old days of complaining, getting fined or whatever. I don't think he got fined. But the idea of, hey, I, they won't let me do this. They won't let me get here. They won't let me do this. To make sure that the you can count on Washington having f- five fouls in the first three minutes of their next game in, in Boston. So it's the idea of setting the officials up, which he clearly was trying to do after that game. Which I can't stand about the NBA playoffs, and then you get the situation in the, in the Pittsburgh-Washington series in hockey where the guy pretends that he got high-sticked, and all of a sudden the, 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 you know, the, the Capitals are shorthanded at the end. Hockey players just keep playing. You're right. Basketball players whine. This reminds me of Fred Hoiberg. Remember in the first round when they were losing and they realized they couldn't beat the Celtics? Oh, he's palming the ball and carrying the ball every time. That's what basketball person does. What we know is this. 
every single game this season, playoffs and regular season, Celtics and Wizards, the home team has won. So do I expect Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics to get the hometown call? Yeah, because these teams are clearly playing better, sometimes in dominant fashion on their home court. And that's what tells me also the great teams find a way on the road. The Cavaliers take care of their business on the road. San Antonio, when they're in trouble, takes care of business on the road. Golden State, Boston right now realizes what they are. They are a second-tier contender who will have likely the number one pick or one of the first three picks in the draft. They're a year away. They're setting a table, Mike, for down the road, not as much as these playoffs. And uh, Houston, one thing you can tell, Mike D'Antoni's having the time of his life. He's finally having a little success in the playoffs. The league has come back to him in terms of style. So the bottom line is always the you know always critiqued and criticized for when it got to the playoffs. He's having a little little bit of fun finally uh, in the playoffs right now. Well, and I'll give you a little backstory there. People who know Mike D'Antoni know he is an incredibly stubborn coach. Do it his way. We knew that from Phoenix. We knew it from New York. We knew it from the Lakers. He's done something this year, I think more so than any other time. Knicks fans will be familiar. Jeff Bizdelic was a former New York Knicks scout, worked under Pat Riley, then went off and coached briefly in Denver and University of Colorado with Wake Forest. What happened this year was this. Mike D'Antoni told Jeff Bizdelic, it usually doesn't happen a lot of basketball, you're my defensive coordinator. Everything defensive is on you. And people who recognize Jeff Bizdelic will notice during these Rockets games, Jeff Bizdelic gets half the huddle. That Mike D'Antoni, yes, you'll shoot your threes, you'll play your offense, but there's another voice, maybe for the first time in D'Antoni's coaching history, that has an equally strong voice, that's the defensive coordinator. We've seen Doc Rivers do this. He did it with Lawrence Frank and some of his other assistants. He had that defensive coordinator. That's the difference with the Rockets right now. It's not old Dan Tony Ball back in Phoenix and just outscore him and will beat you 130-125. There's a real defensive element. And when I spoke to Jeff Bedelic about that, he said that's what people don't realize is that you could still play loose and free on one end and still be held accountable for your responsibility on the other end. And I know they're not rated as a great defensive team, but for once, Dan Tony has that defensive element. You know what, Mike? He got a little less stubborn, and it's paying off for him. And I'll tell you this, what it shows, too, is uh, just how good the culture is with San Antonio. How did they ever win 60 games with that team this year? I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about what 60 wins represents. That team, as beat up as it has been in the backcourt and was all year, it's remarkable how exposed it has been in the playoffs. And it's amazing they won as many games as they did. Well, you know, one thing about, about Greg Popovich is he sees the games he, his team could win. He pulls away from the games, the games at Golden State, when he knows he can't. He doesn't spend his players. He thought he had more. You know, usually San Antonio is not the kind of team that will get a guy like a Pal Gasol or an Aldridge who aren't, unfortunately, 100% players. And I think it drives Popovich crazy. The one thing about his players over the years, Danny Green and others he brought in, Patty Mills, is they're running to a wall kind of players. He really had to get on LaMarcus Aldridge's case, get back on defense. And you're seeing LaMarcus Aldridge, if you watch the wide view on the cameras, he's actually running back hard on defense. You're seeing a little more from Pal Gasol, who was bent 
against along the way because Dwayne Dedman was more of a hustle player than he was getting out of Gasol. But I, I, I don't know. As well as they played, and last time I was on, we had the Houston blowout. We thought the series wouldn't be anything. I really am seeing sort of the crack in the San Antonio culture. But Tony Parker did not have a good regular season. Manu Ginobili is just another guy. Danny Green's three-pointers aren't dropping as regularly. I really wonder that even though they were able to stay at number two in the West right now, if we might see the time where Pop says, you know what? I've got a main responsibility now as Olympic coach and maybe hands off to someone else there in San Antonio or just realizes that, that the end is a lot closer than we thought. I agree, Mike. Kawhi Leonard, absolutely top five all-NBA no player. No question. But I, but I have a real hard time telling you on a nightly basis who's the second best. We almost always had that, whether Parker was playing great, whether obviously with David Robinson was, he was there or Ginobili had his years. It was never hard to identify the second or third best spur. Now it goes up and down. Aldridge good, Aldridge not so good. Gasol good, Gasol not so good. I think that team is sort of primed for a little bit of an upheaval. What's the buzz anywhere? Uh, you know, uh, New York Pazingas stuff, uh, the stuff and with the Clippers, what, what's uh, Westbrook, Durant, what's the, what's the story other than the playoffs as we await Cleveland and Golden State, what's going on around the league, if anything? Well, the Chicago pre-draft combine starts officially tomorrow, and it's become a real story with the agents I've spoken to and teams trying to set up interviews. For people not as familiar, at the Chicago combine, you are allowed to request 10 player interviews. 30 minutes each, you submit an A-list, your top 10 players, a B-list, your second 10, a C-list, your third 10. Except, Mike, this year the combine is in advance of the lottery. And a lot of the agents, 10 of the top prospects are being held out totally, including from interviews, because they have complained to the league, why should we have our players interview teams when we don't know where they're going to fall in the lottery? For example, a Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball would be glad to interview with the Knicks if they knew the Knicks moved into a top three pick. But if the Knicks fall to 7, 8, 9, if they drop behind a little bit in the lottery, those agents know their players aren't going there. They're going to be drafted ahead of time. What's happened here is the NBA has tried to make the Combine a televised event. So they've gotten it away from the conference finals and they moved it up. It's going to be on ESPN2 four hours a day. I don't know what the heck they're going to show. And they've made this the television experience. Well, they're trying to make it like, the, like it is with the, the football. NFL. That's it, yeah. It, But you know what? And I talked to an agent about this. But the NFL has always had more clout. Say what you want about Roger Goodell. When he wants prospects, there they go. And if the top two or three players aren't going, it's one thing. But it's not the top ten prospects not making themselves available. So, yes, the NBA is constantly trying to be a strong number two to football to create their programming. But I think if they would have had the lottery, which is scheduled for next Tuesday, a week from today, ahead of the combine, there would be so much greater clarity than there is right now. So I think the whole league is in Chicago. They're looking at everyone, but even the Knicks, where they're picking right now, they're seated number seven. Obviously, they could move up to the top three or else they could wind up as, as low as number 10. The agents want to know before we go in the door there with Phil what's going on. And I spoke to an agent who has two young, talented, small forwards. And he said to me, why should I be with the Knicks until I know what's going on with Carmelo Anthony? So, Mike, what I'd say is this. 
the team that's ha- the teams that have drama right now, the sooner they rectify their drama, the sooner these agents are saying, sure, I'll bring my guy in. Sure, I got a small forward who would work perfectly for your team. And there's a chance that, you know, my, my guy would work right there, Jason Tatum, someone like that. But it's the question mark teams. The what the heck are they doing teams that these agents are saying, I don't need to do this right now with you guys because if, you, if I'm going to sit down with you and you're telling me you're going to bring in a small forward, I need to know what you're doing with Carmelo. The Knicks really have to address that sooner rather than later. Very interesting. So, and and what, what do you think is going on with the Clippers about what's the aftermath of their uh, their demise? Well, I think J.J. Redick is out. I think at his age, 31-32, and wanting the kind of deal he's had and his shooting numbers coming down, you know, he's the kind of player, Mike, teams that don't usually get free agents. Uh, a Sacramento, a Milwaukee, a Indiana, non-destination. I think they realize that's going to happen. The biggest question there is I think Chris Paul is comfortable. He's a point guard playing for a point guard coach in Doc Rivers, even though Doc could be tough on his point guard, is the Blake Griffin thing. And I can see a lot of scenarios where instead of banging him, Every single night with the top power forwards in the Western Conference, Blake maybe gives up a little money. So I think that's going to be a real issue right there with the Clippers to decide how they're going to come back, what they're going to look like, and is second best good enough. I do know this. Having watched the Jazz series against the Warriors, I believe a healthy Clippers team would have given us a far better series due to their depth of talent, if healthy. So I think the Clippers have a tough decision. What's more important right now in L.A.? Making sure they stay ahead of the Lakers as long as possible so Bomber can have his moment in the sunshine there, or stepping back. And this is a tough thing for someone who spent $2 billion for his team and saying, you know what, the Lakers have this young talent, they might get a top three guy, but we're going to step back for a year or two. And we're going to let some of this money go, and we're going to rebuild. I think that's a real tough spot, because I think if they do that also, I don't think Doc Rivers stays around for that. Interesting. All right, Ira, thanks. We'll chat next week when we'll be starting to zero in on the uh, conference finals. And then talking ahead to the finals, since we all know what that's going to well, be look, anyway. Well, I'm looking for. I'm really <laughs> listen. I understand it's been a bad playoff. We all agree, yeah. but that that finals going to be fun. It really oh, is. I, gonna, I, I yeah. think it's going to be epic, and I think it's going to be the only series. What's where the earliest it can start? What's the earliest they'll start? I era? think June first is the earliest date. The whole schedule is moved up this year, so the NBA obviously wants to get to that. The calendar has moved up because they had their award show now, June twenty second. So June so one little, will probably be game one then, right? Yeah. So we'll get up to that point, and then uh, obviously Warriors home court if it yep. gets to that point. You know, Cleveland, everyone forgets, is not even the top seed against Boston. No, that's Cleveland right. Cleveland actually opened on the road as if that matters. Yeah, I mean, you know won't. the lines well enough. Cleveland opens in Boston, and what would they be, Mike? Eight, nine-point favorite in that game on the road? At Boston, if everybody's healthy, the first game, they'll be about four, four and a half. But after that, it'll go straight up. Uh, that's that's if everybody's healthy. They would be, if they're not healthy, it'd be even more. But healthy, I'd say first game, probably Cleveland four and a half. And that's crazy, a home dog in the Eastern Conference Finals, which tells you what everyone, including the wise guys, knows. Talk to you next week, Mike. Thanks, Thanks. Ira. All right, yeah, they would be. They'd be no question. They'd be at least four points. Uh, You know, regular season, they'd be like, pick them, maybe one. But playoffs, the way the Cavs haven't lost the game yet and everything else, I mean, they'd probably open them up at like four, I would think, right around there. They were, uh, first game in Toronto, I think they, I think, I think they were – it was a little iffy because Toronto had guys hurt, but I, uh, I think the first game they were um, were about four and a half. And last night Golden State was – I think on the road was uh, eight and a half, I think was the line last night. Uh, take a quick break. Come right back.